Welcome to the Chris Rawl Show. My name is Chris Rawl. I wrote a newsletter earlier this week. If you have not read it, you should first go and repent to your local clergyman or woman. And then second, go and rectify that. You can go to chrisrawl.com. It's there under the newsletter tab. It's about Kevin Durant and being sad and just the general state of, of apathy and sadness that exists within the world and whether or not people want to change those things about themselves. It's about a lot of things, probably a lot of themes that you have heard explored on the show. So go there, uh, read it if you haven't already. And if you have not subscribed to it and signed up for it, you can also do that through the same tab. Um, I, I'm fiending for football. I want everybody to know that today's show is going to be about the sport. It's going to be about the most important position within the sport. It's going to be just me scratching this itch that needs to be scratched for the next month before we have games before us. So let's get into today's show about quarterbacks and the state of quarterbacking in college football and more importantly the NFL quarterback is the most interesting position in sports I firmly believe that I think the vast majority of you listening would also agree with that it is a fascinating position because of how much goes into it it has never been in a better place in regards to talent at the position and the ability to impact a game. And yet, I personally abhor the way that many talk about quarterbacks because while it is the most important, absolutely agree with that, I do not agree with the idea that it is the be-all, end-all. And that if you have a quarterback then you are good to go. And if you do not have a quarterback, you are shit and you're rolling around the mud and you have no hope whatsoever. I think the truth exists somewhere closer to the middle point of that, despite the fact that quarterbacks have never been more important. That just, it's a rising curve because of the prevalence of offense and the way that it's exploded and the way the passing game has exploded, all these things that I actually talked a lot about on last show as I was discussing wide receivers and wide receiver value. Position that, is important, but significantly dependent upon quarterbacks getting them the ball and doing those kinds of things. So I've been thinking about this because we're a month away from football. I need football back in my life. I need to gamble on it. I need to watch it. I need to just settle down to a dog shit NFL Thursday night game. I need to settle down to a dog shit Tuesday night action game. There's so many things that I need in my life that currently are not there. So I got to revisit the past for this next month because, you know, we're not going to have live action until Nebraska Northwestern kicking off in Ireland. So I'm thinking about the quarterback position. I'm thinking back to about a decade or so ago in the college game. Kind of an interesting time frame juxtaposed against present day where the very best teams now have the very best quarterbacks. You know, going into the season, Alabama has Bryce Young, Ohio State has C.J. Stroud, by national title odds, the two odds on favorites. Um, also, the two best quarterbacks in the nation, who everybody agrees should be two very high NFL draft choices when they decide to come out. It wasn't the case a decade ago. I don't really know why. I have my own personal theory that's probably Nick Saban made a deal with the devil about just, hey, I want every good player on my roster. And, and the devil was like, Okay, let's to make this just kind of maybe give somebody else a glimmer of hope. You can have all of the best players everywhere, but maybe we just won't give you the best quarterbacks. 
you can run kind of archaic systems. So, you know, why don't you trot out Greg McElroy under center or AJ McCarron or these quarterbacks that we saw even while Alabama was winning national titles because the roster around them was so flush with talent. It was strange watching them at the time, even more so in retrospect, because you're going, why don't Alabama has the best players at every position and they go six deep. And every year the NFL draft comes and all these players that are second and third stringers are getting drafted and going and starting on NFL teams. It's absurd how much talent these teams had at the time. It's absurd how much talent they still have in present day. But what made it even stranger is the quarterback was always just this doofus who was still winning national titles, but in no way matched up to the talent that was surrounding them. So it was always the best, most complete team in the nation going against these other teams. And the glimmer of hope, it was there. I'll definitely attest to that. Because the prevailing thought at the time was just, okay, you can't match that talent. But if you get reasonable talent and you supplement it with a superstar quarterback, okay, you're going to have a chance. The most notable example would be the 2010 Auburn run where they end up winning the national title with a roster that was just nowhere near what Alabama had. But they had two true stars, Nick Fairley on defense, defensive tackle, and most importantly, Cam Newton at quarterback. So they beat Alabama that year. The end of the season, they go on to win the national championship. Coincidentally enough, beating another team that was kind of a, a case study of that particular team-building mechanism. We don't have to have the best talent because that's really hard to do, but let's get a superstar quarterback and get good enough talent and go from there. Auburn beats Oregon in the national title game. Oregon with Marcus Mariota. It was just these two teams that kind of embodied, you're not going to be Alabama, but if you're not going to be Alabama, what can you be? And can you still win being that? For those two quarterbacks and those two teams, it was kind of the quintessential display of a quarterback being able to cover up their team's deficiencies. Alabama was the opposite. Their quarterback literally needed to do nothing. They needed to hand the ball off to Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry or whoever was playing tailback. They need to let their defense hold the opposition to seven points a game and go from there. Mariota and Cam Newton, they had to cover up the fact that these rosters just didn't have five stars at every single position four deep. So at the time I'm watching that, I'm going, this is sweet. You know, I like this. I like when you have kind of different team building mechanisms in the collegiate game and the NFL game. I liked the quarterback covering up teams deficiencies significantly less over the ensuing years because it happened to my professional team with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers under Mike McCarthy as his coaching just submarine them. And, and you know the story there. Rodgers was just dragging them to the playoffs, 10 and 6, 11 and 5. And we were unable to truly understand how decrepit the coaching was and just the construction of the roster around him until those things were gone. And now we're getting a better grasp as Rodgers has aged very gracefully because, in part, the system around him and the way that Gutekunst's general manager has been able to build a roster out that's quite reasonable, you know? So that's a whole different thing. Uh, what I want to do is segue deeper into this quarterback issue and especially, first and foremost, the situation itself. And we're going to use, actually, Marcus Mariota is kind of a, a case study in his own right. Because I think as you transition from college to NFL, it becomes even more important that you are placed into a situation and given things that accentuate what you are good at. So there are two things I want to read. The first comes from Stephen Ruiz of The Ringer. The second comes from Kevin Clark of The Ringer. Here's the first. Smart coaches had realized there was a lot to learn from college offenses. 
which always have been more creative and diverse than their pro counterparts and helped build a schematic bridge between the two levels. Chiefs coach Andy Reid, for instance, tasked longtime assistant Brad Childress with scouring college film for new concepts Reid could add to his playbook. Not long after that, Kansas City was running zone reads and RPOs for Alex Smith and using jet motion before the snap to throw defenses off. Here's the second part from Kim Clark. Former Titans head coach Mike Malarkey once told me that people who thought he should have run the spread offense with Marcus Mariota, the offense that made him a star at Oregon, don't understand the NFL. Andy Reid didn't seem to have the same issue with it. Mariota was probably not destined to be a superstar, but sometimes a quarterback is failed immediately upon entering the league, end quote. Two very interesting examples of Mike Malarkey. He has the name that matches up with just the way that he wanted football to be played, just 1960s style. And strangely enough, the Titans drafted Mariota, who made a name for himself as just probably the cutting edge quarterback at the time as spread offenses were exploding. And a lot of people said, you can never run spread in the NFL. There's too many reasons why not. This is stupid, a gimmicky college offense. And on the other side of that fence was a very old football coach in his own, right? Andy Reid, but also one of the most smart and more importantly, adaptive minds within the sport. And he's got Brad Childress scouring through college playbooks and going around and going, okay, what can we do? What can we add? And that starts with Alex Smith and really segues perfectly into the next quarterback who replaced him. A quarterback who played at Texas Tech in a very gimmicky college offense that everybody goes, oh, well, you, know, who, you can't play like this in the NFL. What are we doing? And the Chiefs trade up to draft Patrick Mahomes and the rest is history. You know the story there. It's kind of a really crazy transition from where we were 10 years ago and Mike Marlarkey's going, you don't understand the NFL if you think anything like this could even come close to working in the NFL. And now here we are with a Kansas City Chiefs offense that has borrowed and stolen and improved upon a million different college principles and put a quarterback in position to where all of his skills are, are met with that. And now you have the superstar quarterback in the NFL. Putting your players in position to succeed. The number one rule of football coaching, especially at the quarterback position. I talk about that so freaking much. It makes my head hurt. But I don't think even amongst people who are within the sport, it doesn't resonate as much sometimes. I think a lot of people will just think, ah, oh, if the quarterback's good, roll him out there and we're good to go. Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy are Packers. And that's true. If you're a true superstar, you can get away with a hell of a lot of stuff. Problem is those are few and far between. And even for those players, there comes a certain point where you go, it's just not enough. This is a team game. There's so many moving pieces that go into this sport. So Andy Reid's a great example of just, you want somebody who has, you know, the perfect kind of adaptability and expert ability to put a quarterback in position to succeed. That would be the dude that I would point out. Just going back to Donovan McNabb with the Eagles, all the things he did there is they were making four straight NFC title games. The way that, he brought Alex Smith in to a Chiefs and, and just really kind of revolutionized the way that offense was played at that time frame and, and into what he's been doing with Patrick Mahomes. Perfect, perfect, perfect example. So Reed's paired with Mahomes. It's been an incredible, unique combination to watch. Mahomes is also a superstar. Anyone would kill to have him on their roster. It's also an interesting thing to think about if just he was drafted into a Mike Malarkey type environment, what that would be like how his career would have played out before you can do the musical chairs with quarterbacks until the, the world ends. There's so many different things that I think are freaking amazing and interesting about ah, if you were over here instead of over here, what would that look like? 
but there are very few true superstars. And by superstar, I mean two things. Quarterback who can always get the maximum out of what's available. You know, that's tied into scheme and coaching and surroundings. What was there to be had? Can you get the most of it? That's something Chris Sims always talks about with NBC Sports. I, I like that idea. It's a really good idea about quarterbacking. And then the second part, also stealing from him, is when nothing is there to be had, what can you create out of that nothingness? Those are the two quintessential principles of just, if you're going to be a superstar quarterback, you need those two things. And I look around the league and I go, there are very few people that qualify for that right now in the NFL. Rodgers is there. Mahomes is there. Josh Allen's there. My personal opinion that Justin Herbert is there. You could maybe make a case that Joe Burrow is there. I'm capitalist right there. That's it. People who can do both of those things. Hey, this is what our scheme gave to you. This is what the players around you gave to you. Did you get the most out of that? And when the defense had a jump on you and everybody was covered and they knew what play was coming or they squashed this out, what can you do to create positive play out of that nothingness? Two of those quarterbacks, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, played a playoff game that you will not see better quarterback play. You just won't. You watch it at the time. If you've gone back and watched it, it's kind of astounding. It was on NFL Network the other day, so I was watching it, trying to do work, and I just stopped doing work because every throw, every play was just, it was superstar quarterback ability at its highest possible level with the highest possible stakes. And the prevailing sentiment coming out of that game amongst most people, whether that was my friends, people that I talked to, the media that I consume, podcasts, reading, all that kind of stuff, the prevailing sentiment was, if you don't have this, you aren't going to win. It's, it's virtually impossible. It's just look at the way that this position is played. And if you watched it, I get where people are coming from with that. It just seems so overwhelming what Mahomes and Allen were doing. And the defenses on the other side just seemed so powerless against it that it, it almost came across as watching a normal person in a superhero movie and going, yeah, Superman's just going to whoop your ass because you're just a random person without any powers. It, it came across as that. Now, as I think about it deeper, though, I go, okay, this is where I get really into the weeds with football is a team sport and there are a lot of moving pieces. So I get why we think that this was also two teams that had an incredible amount of resources at their disposal, whether that's on the roster or whether that was the coaching staffs themselves, whether that's even the, the front office that goes about building these teams year to year. So on the one hand, I go, yes, yes. <laughs> Does it make life easier to have a superstar? Do you want a superstar at quarterback on your team? Absolutely, yes. Everyone would move heaven and earth to get that. But there's also an avenue that doesn't deal with superstar quarterback play. That yes, it, it will make life significantly harder to win without in present day football. But I am a firm believer. Football is a team game, first and foremost. I don't think that's some corny thing that people said in the 1950s. I think that's part of what makes this sport so beautiful and incredible to watch because you can do a lot of different things to cover up warts, and it works both ways. Quarterback covering up your warts, you covering up your quarterback's warts. So the Mahomes-Allen game, it's one of the many reasons that people have gone stir-crazy for quarterbacks, and again, I, I understand why. I've never been more into the position, but I'm always still just exploring different avenues that teams can win. So I'm going to read a couple more things that kind of trace why people are so into this position and also the way that our evaluation of quarterbacks has and is changing. Both of these come from Shokapati of The Athletic. Here's the first. Of the 20 teams that have made the championship round in the last five years, 18, that's 90%, 
had an offense that finished in the top quartile, eighth or better in football outsiders DVOA metric. And 13, that's 65%, had an offense that finished in the top five. If we look at those same 20 teams, just eight, that's 40%, had a top quartile defense. And six, that's 30%, had a defense that finished in the top five. Here's the second part. Competency at quarterback is easier than ever to find, and it's never mattered less. Because if you don't have a top-level guy, you're going to have difficulty achieving sustained success, which is what every franchise is chasing, end quote. Lot to take in there, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of very interesting things. The first part is that offense versus defense conjecture. In the past, I think defense, I mean, there's a reason that defense wins championships exists as a cliche, because I do believe that was definitely true in past football. There's still a way that that is true in present day football. What we've seen is offense, 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 first and foremost, and, and that's borne out by the numbers. When you have 90% of the teams that are making the championship round over the last half decade with top eight offenses, you go, oh, offense is probably pretty important, especially when you look at the same teams and you're going, oh, well, only 40% of those had a top eight defense. Well, we're probably understanding the way that the game has changed and what is most important in present day offense and what's the most important position on offense quarterback. You get it, you know, just tying these threads together. Now, the second part, there are two phrases that I got really interested in. First is competency. Second is sustained success and how those two words, or I guess three words, but two phrases tie together. I was also thinking about, or as I was thinking about the quarterback position and I was thinking about early Saban, Alabama, during that t- same time frame at the NFL level, it was, a very, it was a very strange time because a lot of people were singing the praises of Mark Sanchez, who was quarterback of the New York Jets at the time. Drafted out of USC, good college quarterback. Just didn't have physical tools that really jumped off the page. Got put in a really good position, which shocking to those of you who've only followed football recently, but the Jets at that time, they were coached by Rex Ryan. They had the best defense in football. And with Mark Sanchez as their quarterback, a guy who I would watch and I was just like, I don't, this guy is not very good. I just, I don't see anything that's going on here. But even with him there, the Jets end up making two AFC title games. Very good football team for a handful of years. Now as a defense, first and foremost team, but uh, because we gravitate to the quarterback position, because even at that time, it can turn into a BL end all debate because people love the idea of the quarterback is either a winner or a loser, and we're just going to tie everybody's success into what the quarterback is or does. Sanchez was getting this outsized reputation at the time. Like, oh, no, you can, you know, you can win with quarterback. He's really good. And I was not really that into it and significantly less so in retrospect because he's a pretty good example of just, even at that time, uh, you could get a quarterback that's legitimately bad, which I would qualify Sanchez as. And you can still, through the boosting of his surroundings, that's coaching, that's defense, that's just playmakers around him. You can still get pretty damn far. Two AFC title games, that's an incredible achievement. Now, as we think back to the words of Kapadia, this is where uh, an example like that kind of it takes on almost just this different era feel, like it was 100 years ago. Because he's talking about competency at quarterback is easier to find than ever. And it's also never mattered less because of how many competent quarterbacks there are. So everybody's striving for that superstar. We want one of those four people I mentioned, the five people I mentioned. And it's weird looking back at Sanchez and going, the state of quarterbacking in today's NFL in 2022, it's unreal. 
You know, think of some of the quarterbacks that we have a field day making fun of, like a Kirk Cousins or a Matt Ryan or a Baker Mayfield or a Carson Wentz. There's people who are continually dragged. Oh, look at all the warts. Look at what they can't do. And you look back to the way we talked about Sanchez less than 15 years ago. And I'm going, this is crazy. All, all four of the quarterbacks I just mentioned are 500 times better than Mark Sanchez. Do each of them have their own warts? Yes, absolutely. But if you had a true roster that was constructed around these players, do I have a firm belief that they could win a Super Bowl? Absolutely, I, I do. Especially with Kirk Cousins, especially with Matt Ryan. I even believe it with Baker and I believe it with Wentz. I think some people would disagree. Actually, a lot of people disagree. I think they have enough skill and, and a competency at that position that you got one of the best rosters. You could go and do some pretty special things within even today's NFL. These are real legitimate NFL quarterbacks. Now, the problem is the grading curve has been skewed in the last decade, especially within the last little while, because talent at the position is at an all-time high. Not just at the top, not with, just with those superstars, but everywhere. You know, you look at the quarterbacks behind those top five and you're still going, well, I mean, you got Stafford, you got Lamar Jackson, you got Tom Brady, you got Kyler Murray. You can go down and you're just like, how am I 11 deep? And I still am looking at this quarterback on this quarterback's awesome. This quarterback was around 15 years ago. I think we'd all be like, this is one of the five best quarterbacks by leaps and bounds. This is an incredible player. And because of all that, competency now is kind of viewed by the vast majority of football fans as a negative because we compare it to what is currently available. We don't say, look at Kirk Cousins versus Mark Sanchez. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool to have Kirk Cousins. We go, look at Kirk Cousins versus Matt Stafford. Who would I rather have? Stafford. His tools are significantly better than Kirk Cousins. Who would I rather have between Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen? Well, it's just a no-brainer because even competent to reasonable to pretty good quarterbacks, they're not going to hold a candle to the superstars at the top. And the importance of the position just seems to keep increasing. That's pretty crazy about when does this get capped of how important quarterback is viewed and especially schematically within the way that football is played at the NFL and all the way down. There are two more things that I want to read. The first ties into the schematic shift and just the way that offenses have changed and in turn put the ball really in the quarterback's hands. The second is from a team building perspective, just the way that people are always thirsting and lusting after a superstar quarterback and they'll do anything to get that. So the first from Stephen Rees of The Ringer, the second is from Dan Pompey of The Athletic. Here's the first. 2007 Patriots team was the first in NFL history to line up in shotgun formations on a majority of its snaps. The year before, NFL offenses had lined up in the gun just 19% of the time, according to Football Outsiders. By 2011, the number had spiked to 41%. Five years later, it was up to 68%. And in 2021, only three teams lined up under center on more than half of their snaps. Here's the second part. When John Elway was the Broncos general manager, he selected three quarterbacks in the top two rounds of the draft in three years. When asked about it at the 2018 NFL Combine, he was unapologetic. Believe me, I'm not done swinging and missing, he said about drafting quarterbacks. Misses don't bother me. We just have to figure out a way to get it right. That is what we are working on, end quote. So the first part is pretty fascinating. Just the explosion of the shotgun is a really good microcosm of the way that Compared to Alabama giving it to Greg McElroy and A.J. McCarron or the Jets playing with Mark Sanchez under center. It's just the shift that has occurred where every team 
virtually every team without Phil is saying, we need a quarterback who is a star because we are putting the ball in the quarterback's hand. You're not going in the shotgun to hand off 20 times in a row. You're going back in the shotgun to just wing it around the yard. And so who do we need orchestrating that? Well, it's in our best interest to get a star. That's why you now see Alabama and Ohio State playing with spread offenses with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young playing in shotgun in those same systems. It's why you've seen from 2007 on with the Patriots implementing that and really revolutionizing the way offenses played at the NFL level. Now you see every team going, okay, yeah, we're just going to play the majority of our snaps in shotgun. That's a no-brainer. That's the way that football is played, whether it's Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, like pick your poison of any of these quarterbacks. We want them in the shotgun. We want them throwing around the yard. So John Elway just didn't have great success down the stretch of him being general manager. Host Peyton Manning, you know, he's just whiffing on these quarterbacks, Paxton Lynch, players like that. But you understood why he was doing it. And even though he was whiffing on it, him saying things like, look, I'm, we swing and miss, we swing and miss, but this is going to be the most important position, so I'm not done. We're just going to keep going until we can find this out. I get that because if you can get a superstar quarterback, you should. It's just a no-brainer. Nobody is arguing against that. Now, we also understand there's only a couple available. So do you continually strive to get that? Yes, 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 yes. The Broncos, even within the last handful of years, they're trying to get a quarterback. Can't, can't, can't. They're starting Trevor Simeon. They're starting uh, Brock Osweiler. All these atrocious quarterbacks. They're also still paying attention to their roster building and saying, ah, if, we, if we can just hit on one of these quarterbacks, this team immediately makes sense. That's why the Russell Wilson trade this offseason is very intriguing because they're not some dog shit roster. They actually have a lot of things that I like and say, ooh, that intrigues me. And if you have a quarterback who can be reasonable to good to maybe Wilson can channel some of his star stuff from the past. I don't know. But if he can do that, this team's a ready-made Super Bowl contender. The flip side of that is just you take the John Elway route and you're going, get a quarterback, get a quarterback, get a quarterback. But we're not paying attention to the roster building in the meantime. We're saying, oh, until we have a quarterback, it doesn't matter. And you get stuck in a situation like the Jacksonville Jaguars last year with Trevor Lawrence. You go, okay, we finally got our superstar quarterback. Number one overall, everybody agrees. Best quarterback prospects and Andrew Luck, he's going to be awesome. And then you put him in the most unfair situation possible and say, here's a dog shit coaching staff and Urban Meyer's going to be doing weird stuff and nobody cares and your roster just, there's not a lot of talent. You don't have a good offensive line and who's going to make plays for you? I don't know. And now you're two and 15 and you're going into next season saying, eh, hopefully a shift from what that was to adding some more talent Changing Urban Meyer out for Doug Peterson, a, co uh, a coach who has had good success with quarterbacks. Maybe that can kind of just be the step in the right direction for marrying a quarterback with everything else, which is still just as important as the quarterback. So you don't have a superstar quarterback. Okay, what do you do? You know, this is my own belief, but the roster building is so integral to football and should be happening around the clock in a way that more broke down franchises, I think they just go, ah, this doesn't matter as much right now because we need our quarterback and then we can worry about the rest. But building your roster out is integral in order to put the quarterback in position to succeed. So you can always seek out that star and then Josh Allen and the Bills morph into something together. Mahomes and the Chiefs morph into something together. What the Chargers are hoping they're going to get with Herbert this year because they gave him a hell of a lot over this offseason. Another year in that system, another year of being a head coach uh, with their system and their scheme. And now you're going, okay, Herbert, I expect big things out of you. Yeah, your division's hard as hell, but 
There's a lot of roster talent on that team. And if Herbert is what I believe, which I truly think is like one of, he's going to be a quarterback who defines the league for the next decade, I think you're going to see that explosion right now. But if you don't have the superstar and you have built out the roster correctly, you can also try and win now with competency. Let's go back to Shokapadia. Everybody gives two thumbs down to the competency at the quarterback position because we want the star. Where I get a little lost, and especially in the way that narratives arise in the way that this position is discussed, is like I point to recent examples and I go, look, we're, we're a couple years removed from just having examples at this level, the highest level, that if you do things correctly, you can contend. Maybe you win, maybe you don't, but you can be in that small select pool of Super Bowl contenders. Philadelphia Eagles, they won a Super Bowl because their roster was impeccable. And even when Carson Wentz went down in the midst of an MVP caliber season, Nick Foles, who was not good at quarterbacking, nobody would argue that. He's never been good before or since. He stepped in and he played three playoff games that he'll never forget and no Philadelphia fan will. And they went up and won the Super Bowl because of that roster building side, because of that coaching side. The Rams made a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. It's kind of incredible in retrospect because we've watched Jared Goff and we realize there's a lot of flaws that this quarterback brings to the table. The Rams had built out an incredible system schematically. They had great players on their roster. They had great coaching staff. And they lost by 10 points in the Super Bowl to New England. And then, because they had built that roster out, they said, oh, there's a legit star on the market. Maybe not a true superstar, but Matt Stafford's a star quarterback. He's been a top 10 quarterback his entire career. You have a top 10 quarterback into a system like that, what can happen? Well, they just won a Super Bowl. We already know that. That's where I always get on my soapbox about situation. And especially within this sport, just the moving pieces, it's hard to comprehend how much stuff is going in. I'd point back to Saban's days and I go, You're, they're winning national titles with A.J. McCarron and Greg McElroy. You know, now granted, that's within a sport where you can get all of the best talent and put it on your roster because there's no salary cap. There's no making trades or this or that. It's just, if you're the best recruiter, you can do incredible things within this sport. We've seen Georgia match what Alabama has done over the last 15 years within the last five. That's why they won a national title. It's not because Stetson Bennett is a superstar quarterback. It's actually the exact opposite. Stetson Bennett played at Colorado State. I'll bet five college football fans would know who he is. He would never sniff the NFL. He'd never do anything. Instead, he's a national championship quarterback because Georgia built out a roster around him. It was flush with talent. It had five stars, five deep at every position. It's the same Alabama model. But as we kind of tie a bow on the show, bring it to a close. Competency at quarterback, if you have not obtained a start, it's not the worst thing in the world. You can bide your time. If you're looking for that sustained success, yes, that's going to be tied into quarterback. That's going to be tied into roster building. At its best, it's a marriage of those two things. That's everybody wants. But okay, you don't have the star. You can still go really far. You can still actually win a Super Bowl with Nick Foles. You can still be a contender. You can still put yourself in position to succeed. Let's look at one more example. A dude who, surprisingly, not surprisingly enough, because they drafted Trey Lance high, but this week, the Niners, they come out, they say, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, head coach, general manager, they had a sit down with him. They come out this week and say, we're moving on from Jimmy. Trey Lance is our guy. He's our starter. And that makes sense. They drafted Trey Lance third overall, I believe. They traded up to get him a bunch of assets out the door. They're in win now mode because their roster is awesome. And there's a huge gamble being placed on we need this guy to be a star. And if he is, we are going to win Super Bowl or maybe Super Bowls. I feel very, very confident that that's the case with this coaching staff and this current roster. However, if you whiff on him, 
you're back to the drawing board. What's crazy about the Niners is they're a great example of how far you can go with a roster because they've been one of the best rosters in football. They have a great coaching staff. And even with, if you want to be generous and say Jimmy Garoppolo is competent, you can say that. Some days he is, some days maybe not so much. I don't think anybody is arguing that Jimmy Garoppolo is good or even a star or a superstar. He's just, he's there, he's competent. Fine, we hate competency, that's fine. Niners are chasing the superstar as they probably should. I think that makes a ton of sense. However, even within the last couple of years, Jimmy Garoppolo has had a great amount of playoff success under center for this roster. Just like Mark Sanchez had over a decade ago. Nice little comparison there for two people who have not won Super Bowls. Presumably Jimmy will not. And if he doesn't, they'll just kind of be lost in history. And for me, I go, "Ah, you can go pretty far even with a quarterback that is either bad like Sanchez or okay, reasonable, competent like Jimmy Garoppolo. And to illustrate that, we're going to close on a stat from Dan Graziano of ESPN. Jimmy Garoppolo, wearing the uniform Aaron Rodgers once dreamed of wearing, has gone a combined 17 for 27 for 208 yards and no touchdown passes in his past two playoff games against Rodgers and has won them both. Thank you for listening to The Chris Rawl Show. This podcast is produced by Weston Tanner. Remember to go and subscribe to my newsletter. It is at chrisrawl.com. Hit the subscribe button. Put your email address in. If you have not read any newsletters in the past, there's also a tab that says newsletter. You can go and read any of them. They're archived. If you want to read any of the other stuff I've done, whether that's uh, essays that I've written or just random blurbs for this podcast, they're also there. You can easily find them. C-H-R-A-S-R-A-W-L-E.com. Thank you for listening today. Go and enjoy your weekend. When I come back on Tuesday, we'll be one step closer to football. I'll presumably be talking more about it because, again, I'm fiending for it. I widely admit there's some addiction deep in my heart that needs to be fulfilled, and we're getting closer and closer. So go enjoy your weekend, and thank you. Thank you.